Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Of all these opinions, this is the one that continues to blindside me, dumbfound me, gobsmack me, thunderstruck Just me. blasphemy. Absolute blasphemy. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! This is the Overreaction Podcast. I am Chase, and with me as always, my man Cody. Uh, did we miss anything? this weekend what what happened no nah, man i just kind of stayed in chilled didn't really do too much kind of laid around binge some netflix no nah, man obviously we had the nfl draft and we got to cover it right like i think this is the first pod that's actually dropping on the dd feed we got the who's next podcast yesterday today though we are talking about what just happened at the nfl draft our first one our first time that we are covering it and it was an absolute blast of a weekend man it was our first time. I think this is the first time either of us have shared a shared a stage with the guys of DD, all of the guys of DD, uh, Ray and Jay Rich. This is the first time we've ever really been on with them. So it was a huge honor this weekend. Day three of the draft. I was there for seven straight hours, man. <laughs> Dude, what a grind. Like, like I know you told me about it afterwards, like because you did seven hours. I think I did like three and a half or four. And uh just just thinking about the fact that they do it for three straight days. If you weren't able to tune in, you missed a absolute blast of a time. Great watch as well. Great time with everybody on on cam. So uh yeah, big shout out to the entire destination Debbie crew. Absolutely killed that draft coverage so uh yeah great time honored to be on there big shout out to ray thank you so much for for that opportunity uh we had a blast and look forward to doing it again next year but yeah man uh it it, it has finally came and gone and now we are scrambling trying to figure out what to do with uh the 2023 class now that we know the official landing spots for all of these rookies yeah, man, we just spent about, what, three months covering this, doing murky drafts and mock drafts off of mock drafts, covering it every single week. We had a, we thought we had a pretty good consensus of what it would look like, and it's gone. All thrown out the window. We can't use it anymore. <laughs> Completely rebuild it up from scratch. No, but, like, it was really good exercises. You know, we went through a lot of exercises, especially those mocks off of mocks, because, man, a lot of those looked a lot better than what it does come Monday morning when you wake up or – Sunday night, whenever you go to bed and you're like, oh my God, what am I going to do tomorrow? Because this looks freaking awful right now. Yeah, we had, I, know, I think I'm in four rookie drafts right now that started Sunday. 
Uh, so as soon as the draft ended, Sunday morning wake up, we had some drafts. And yeah, I think that was the most important thing that I, or one of the most important things that I took away from the NFL draft itself was the fact that those exercises of doing mock drafts on mock drafts, even though the landing spots aren't exact, we don't exactly know how it's going to work out leading up to the process, but it's important to know that we're going to have players go to situations that we absolutely hate for fantasy we're going to have guys that go to situations where there's already either a lead running back there or one maybe two wide receivers already clearly supplanted ahead of him I mean, even jsn like he went to a situation where it's like oh yeah that that looks good seattle it's like well dk's there lockett's not going anywhere it's like okay well maybe he doesn't have the upside we thought he's going to have in year one it, obviously long term you can paint the picture but um yeah, that happened for a lot of guys, and then it gets real gross, you know, later on. So we'll we'll dive into each of those picks and and some where some of these players went. But that exercise that we did, or that that Ray and Jay did on wake up, um, constantly throughout the off season, is very very valuable. And I think that's one of the big takeaways I had. Yeah, and I think really it's honestly best to probably just assume worst case scenario off of these mocks, right? And we kind of did that a couple of times in the ones that we were doing and the ones that we saw on wake up and everything of just like. It looks really, really good pre-draft whenever you were saying, I really like all of these running back prospects. This feels like a really deep class still. I mean, I'm good. I'm good to go into like the 304 before I really feel like I'm just taking dart throws on these guys. Wake up today and try to do a mock draft. And you're like, I'm at the two six and I don't want to pick anybody. <laughs> like just good luck to people who are hoarding those back end seconds, the back end first. None of them feel as good as they did Thursday whenever we woke up. You know, and if you were actively making moves and 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 you know kind of paying attention to those drafts or to those mocks on on mocks on mocks, um, you you had the idea of where those tiers were going to break and 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 you know we thought the 106, 107 was going to be the break. It's even earlier than that now. Um, and then you get into just the back of the first, and you know we thought these first round picks in twenty twenty three were just going to be absolute gold, and they're still good players, no doubt about it. But it's not quite what we thought it was going to be. So um, that was a big thing. Another takeaway here that that we or that I noticed from the NFL draft is the fact that the NFL just hates running back. It feels like <laughs> they hate him unless your name is Jameer Gibbs, basically, right? Um, and yeah. Because he's not yeah. valued as exactly a running back, and that—that's really what I think. That's really what the takeaway here is: is like none of these guys, even the ones that are already in the NFL, and they had workloads last year. It does not mean they're going to have it again. You will get drafted over regardless of your draft capital last year. Absolutely, nobody is safe. Even Derrick Henry is not safe, right? <laughs> like our workhorse of all workhorses is not safe, and so. Man, whenever you start putting these, whenever you start putting these landing spots to the running backs, and then how far down they're going, what is the what is the stat? Three years in a row now, we have seen the number of running backs drafted decrease year over year over year. So it's not even just the vault; it's not even just the talent of the position and where they're taking them. It's the number that they're taking them with as well. I'll just let them go to waivers. I'll I'll let them go. I'll go find my guy on free agency right now, right after the yeah. draft ends, like we just saw with Latavia. Murray going to Buffalo, Jarek McKinnon resigning with KC. Not, uh, they are just not in any way, shape, or form going to spend capital worthy of what their production is in the NFL anymore, monetary or draft capital wise. 
and and it's a it's an important kind of note like you know you talked about latavius murray getting a job already right like he's going to buffalo but like there's still free agents out there that are going to find landing spots so these these free agent you know got bodies in a way um are all bigger bodies you know we have leonard fournette zeke elliott like that's what the NFL still wants. And a lot of the, the running backs in this class, and we talked about it two months ago on, on this very show where we talked about the, the size concerns with the NFL might have with some of these running backs. And not that they're not good players, but they still want a hammer in the backfield that can just pound it between the A-gap. And that is still something that they value. And we saw that Bijan is special, got drafted in the top 10. Gibbs is special or has that elite upside and that's what the NFL noticed outside of that like when we were looking at day two it, it came down to, to to Charbonnet and it was like I, I even looked at the board I'm like man I don't see anything until the late like until early 50s is what I was saying is the next running back I was like I don't think it's just going to push the, the values up I know we're jumping in here but I'm go, getting a little <laughs> off track here uh, but yeah I it just I don't know Man, like the, the the fact that we thought this running back class was going to be something special, something we can build our our, uh, our dynasty rosters through, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. So, again, NFL hates running back, and uh, it hates me. It makes me hate drafting these guys in my fantasy draft. So, I mean, you still have to draft them, though, because there's nothing you else do. there. We can briefly touch on the wide receiver, too, because, because as soon as I hit about wide receiver eight in this class, I no longer want to draft them in a start 10, 12 or start 10, 12 team normal lineup league. I mean, that's clogger city as soon as you get past like wide receiver eight and a couple of these guys that were drafted in the fourth round, fifth round and further. I don't want any of them or third, fourth round and further. I don't want any of them. Some guys in the third, I'll take a shot on maybe. I mean, man, just the fall off in wide receiver forces the running backs that I still don't even want to take up. And the only good thing here was tight end, right? That was the only thing that actually stayed true in the NFL draft. <laughs> and even that one kind of surprised us with only one first round tight end as well. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into all of them. I, I know I kind of jumped ahead with the running back and, and uh, start looking at it and it just gets to me. But, uh, you know, let's start off. First things first, we got to start off with quarterback, right? So yep. quarterback position, pretty status quo, kind of what we expected. We heard that Bryce Young was going to go to Carolina. That was kind of the word leading up to the draft, you know, a week going in that he was going to be the quarterback one off the board to Carolina, and he was. Uh, second pick went to your Houston Texans was C.J. Stroud. So yeah. we had QB2 and then Anthony Richardson, so our three First round quarterbacks, all in the top four. Uh, a Rich going to Indy, and uh, how? What are your thoughts on this? How does this impact for you know anything for you right now? Yeah, so I think you got to start it off with obviously you know the first pick overall. Bryce Young got the exact capital we, we we've been projecting for the last two weeks or so since that kind of flip happened within all the betting markets. Looked like that one was locked in for a while. Happened, came and went. No real change there with Bryce Young. The C.J. Stroud pick was definitely interesting. Um, I think you can technically say he was picked at three because the only real reason that Houston picked CJ Stroud at two was to make sure that there was no market for the Indianapolis Colts or the Tennessee Titans to trade back up with the Arizona Cardinals. Because as soon as Stroud's off the board, there's no market there for that pick anymore. And then the only place that they can trade out of is actually with the Houston Texans. So in your mind, whenever you go through that trade up that the Texans made to three, 
you can't say that that's made for Will Anderson, right? Like that pick, those trade that those trade pieces were actually put in for CJ Stroud. Um, I don't like the compensation that they gave up for it. It's the Texans going to ask you. No, no, you can't even get to it because I hate it. I mean, they probably have two top five picks next year now because we gave up our first and our 12 overall pick this year. So we can't even give weapons to CJ Stroud sitting there throwing to Bobby trees and just oh, John Mechie. I hope he comes back and does well. I mean, he's another one. You've got Nico Collins. It's not looking good there, but hopefully they can piece some things <laughs> together. It doesn't look good for C.J. Stroud year one, though, and that's why you have seen a little bit of a tank with him. The big one, though, the one that we wanted, the one that we were calling as our 101 for a while, Anthony Richardson going to the Colts at four, that perfect landing spot with Shane Steichen that everybody wanted to have happen. They, they skipped on Will Levis and went with Anthony Richardson. And Chase, does that make him our 101 in rookie drafts now? It, it does for me. Like, unless I have a team that I am just so secure at quarterback, I, I would ha I have to take Anthony Richardson. Man, like the upside is so real with him. You know, just looking at current post NFL draft ADP right now, we have the 102, 103, 104, all these quarterbacks. Anthony Richardson is the 102. He's actually a good chunk behind in, in terms of pick value. He's the 2.71 value. Uh, compared to the 1.13 for Bijan. So Bijan's pretty clearly ahead right now in most people's eyes uh, above A-Rich. But with the super flex position, the scarcity, and and the fact that we have such a gap uh, right now between like our high-end quarterbacks and like our QB2s or even our back-end QB1s, A-Rich has a legitimate shot of cracking that group. You know, we, Justin Fields did it with just his legs in, in a historically bad passing year. Anthony Richardson can do that too. He has good enough weapons around him. He has a good run game. That offensive line, uh, it was it did take a step back last year, but it should be improved and and, and kind of moving forward. So he's a, he's my one hundred and one right now. Um, where how do you rank these quarterbacks? Is he still your one hundred and one right now too? He's got to be my one. I don't yeah. know if he's my one hundred and one confirmed like all the time. I'm going to take some yeah. account into that. I have I have take in. The Bijan pick over Anthony Richardson at times dependent upon the roster. Um, or I guess I haven't actually because the Anthony Richardson, the only one I did have, got taken off in front of me in Royal Rumble. And that's the only one I would have taken over Bijan in that format. But no, I think there's still sometimes if I have those two locked in top 10 quarterbacks that I would possibly take Bijan if I really think he's that last piece of that contender that I really need to push myself over the edge. But as of right now, in most cases, I'm still probably Anthony Richardson one. Bryce Young two, CJ Stroud three, and and just kind of curious, uh, just for for people out there, why why not uh, CJ Stroud? Is it is it just the weapons around him? Is it just the the belief in what uh, Bryce Young could be? Kind of coming into the league a little bit more polished right now. What are your thoughts on it? I think that he's just a better overall quarterback, except for the size concerns. I think that there's no real yeah. question about Bryce Young just being the better overall quarterback. He got he was the first quarterback taken overall. And then just the amount of capital that the Texans gave up to get C.J. Stroud and the struggles that I think they're going to have building an offense around him with the lack of capital that they now have. I mean, they had a lot of capital from that Deshaun Watson trade, and they just kind of spent it all to get their one guy. And truthfully, I think it was just because the owner – told them that they had to get a quarterback and they had to do what they had to do. Like, really, I think they were, I've been saying from the start that they were just going to take Will Anderson 
or Tyree Wilson and skip on quarterback this year. And I think the owner looked at the fan base and said, I can't do that. Otherwise, I will have a full on revolt on my hands here in Houston. And I don't think he's probably wrong, but I don't think it was the best move for the future of the team. So I think he's <laughs> going to be a little bit of a struggle building the offense around CJ Stroud. So that's why I have him as my three. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. And, and right now, you know, the the ADP difference between um, A. Rich and Bryce Young is, is is not even like half a round. So they're, they're they've actually you can probably say that they're half flip flopping. Yeah, half a pick. Excuse me, half a half a round. Wow, <laughs> half a pick. Um, so you you can tell that they're flip flopping two and three. So some people are, are believe a little bit more in Bryce, don't want to take the risk on Anthony Richardson. Uh, so that kind of stuff is happening. And then you have clearly C.J. Stroud a full pick plus behind Bryce Young um, at the four. So that's pretty much, you know, really where it ends for me. You know, we do have a couple other quarterbacks that do come off the board after them that we thought might actually be in the first round. You know, we have Will Levis going off at pick 33 to Tennessee. So in the second round and then in the third round, pick 68, Hendon Hooker finally came off the board. The, the rumored back of the first round pick uh, was not true. He did fall down to Detroit in the third so those are the only two really that are worth of note to me what are you doing with will levis and hendon hooker at this point yeah i mean i know on this show and on the fantasy draft room pods that we've done or the videos that we've done we've had will levis pretty securely at that 105 assuming the draft capital and he didn't get it here now the team still traded up for him tennessee traded up to that 33rd overall pick to get him but they waited until the second round their second pick to do it it does take a toll on his draft capital I still think he's a first round pick in Superflex, though, because he does hold value in the quarterback position. And the rest of these picks, once you get to the back end of the first, just aren't worthy of that, in my opinion. <laughs> the upside of the quarterback is still there. And I don't think Ryan Tannehill has a very long leash with Will Levis being there behind him. I think this is actually going to be a full on QB battle throughout the offseason. And he could actually take over the job. I think Vrabel even came out and said that, that he's this. Uh, Tannehill is the starter come Monday and then past that I have no idea so um, I think I think that's where we sit I think he's still the first round I think I have him slotted in as the 110 off the board in my rankings currently as it sits and uh, then Hendon Hooker he's he got so little draft capital here and behind a guy Jared Goff that they've already come out and saying that they might give him an extension this offseason already um, I have him tanked all the way to the back of the, into the second after this yeah, and I think that's kind of the funny thing is, you know, we had maybe a day of, you know, Hendon Hooker hope where it's like, well, Jared Goff might not be there for, you know, beyond 2023. And you could see Hendon Hooker and it's like Monday, you know, we're recording this on Monday. Monday, it comes out that they're looking to potentially extend Jared Goff uh, to a long term deal, potentially. Um, again, it's all rumor and conjecture at this point, but I, I couldn't blame them for wanting to do that, especially if Detroit does end up winning the North. Um, I think you could just toss it and hook her to the wayside at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, outside of injury, he's really not having a chance to start yeah. as long as Jared Goff is there, right? Um, it, it's just a thing where it's a it's a beautiful landing spot, and a lot of people are going to be very excited about it. But I think we're just a little bit more excited about the long term possibilities of Jared Goff there as it currently stands. So. Um, yeah. Actually, I think it was back end of the third. I think I misspoke and said, yeah, I said back end of the second, but it's actually have him in the back end of the third in terms of my my personal rankings right now. Yeah, I have him mid third right now for for me. Uh, but I, again, we're we're gonna we're we're gonna look at this from a positional standpoint, and we'll look at the class as a whole um, a little bit, maybe in a different episode. 
Uh, but it, it gets gross. So, you know, pick your poison really and, and kind of a, however it works, especially once you get into that mid to late second and beyond, uh, have fun. So uh, last thing I want to touch on with Will Levis is I'm right there with you. I have him at the 110 as well. It feels like, you know, he has to be a first round pick, especially in Superflex with the scarcity. It, Tennessee is not good enough to continue to have Tannehill starting there it's he's just not and if you you can still move on from will levis but you have to know what you got will levis will start at some point this season i don't know if it's four games eight games 12 games but he's going to start at some point for tennessee just because they're not going to be good enough and they have to see what they got in him Outside of just like a miraculous Seahawks turnaround, right? Wherever we thought that the Seahawks were going to be like a bottom three team. And then like Ryan Tannehill goes out there and just starts slinging the ball around like Geno Smith last year to, you know, Traylon Burks and Racy McNath out there, those wide receivers. But I I don't foresee it happening. But we said with the Seahawks last year, I don't foresee it happening this year. I'm not going to put it out of the question. Not going to blank statement it. But yeah, it feels like Will Levis is going to start it sometime this year. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, that kind of wraps the the, the main quarterbacks of note. Um, I know you want to talk about one guy and, and he, he it's another guy that actually has a, a better probably a better chance of starting this year than 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 Hinton Hooker. Um, yep. You want to talk about your guy Stetson? Yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett in the fourth round, 128 overall to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, he's a guy that's playing behind Matthew Stafford on a team that that one's about where the Tennessee Titans are, in my opinion, of how bad that team is. And so if they really start going downhill, Stafford's getting beat up behind a bad offensive line. I could see Stetson Bennett actually coming in and starting games earlier than I could Hennon Hooker just outside of injury, just the Rams overall being bad. And at the end of the year saying, hey, we're in the we're in that quarterback sweepstakes. We've only won like three games here, half or three quarters of the way through the season. I know he's a fourth round guy, but Stetson go out there and uh, Jarrett sit him, sit him this thing for us and see if you can't lose us the rest of these games. So I think he's actually got a better path to starting and maybe, you know, he's won at every level so far. So why can't he win at the next level? I don't think he's just that good. That's probably why. But if he steps on the field, he might actually get some draft capital bump. And so I do have him slotted in as a mid fourth round guy for me right now in this class in terms of just rookie value. The rest of these guys, uh, Aiden O'Connell to the Vegas Raiders, Clayton Toon to Arizona, possibly with Kyler being out, makes a little bit of buzz, but I don't think so. Any of these other guys that got drafted that you want to talk about? I mean, no, uh, talk about, no, but at least worth mentioning. Jake Hayner went to New Orleans in the fourth round. Um, basically, he's, you know, Derek Carr, light, light. So uh, both went to Fresno State, too. So coincidentally enough, but uh, yeah, you mentioned Aiden O'Connell, Clayton Toon, uh, DTR going to Cleveland, no shot. You know, Sean Clifford going to Green Bay, I doubt it. Jared Hall going to Minnesota. You know, I, we all wanted a, a Minnesota quarterback early, and uh, this was not what we expected. Maybe if you're in a super, super, super deep league and you want to grab him, but uh, that doesn't seem like it's very promising. Tanner McKee to Philly, Max Duggan to uh, the L.A. Chargers, and then some free agents. But yeah, I'm not drafting any of these guys um, outside of the, the aforementioned ones we, we talked about earlier. So let's wrap up quarterback and dive right into the position we started with. And uh, the one that kind of pains us the most that we thought was going to be special. There is special in this room. The yeah, running there's, back. Room. There's two very special ones. Yeah, and that's the running and, back position with Bijan and Jameer Gibbs, man. 
Bijan, eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons, and Jameer Gibbs, 12 overall to the Detroit Lions. 12 overall to the Detroit Lions. Man, the pick, the, the wildest pick in this draft, in my opinion. I mean, Detroit made some, I don't call them wild picks, interesting picks. This one was the most interesting. Um, I, you know, I have no problem with them getting their guy, but um, it, it did seem like there was the rumor of, you know, Gibbs going back of the first, you know, maybe early second is most likely where it's going to be. And Detroit goes and gets their guy. And, you know, we, we, we talked about it a lot with what DeAndre Swift, that role is in Detroit. Uh, Jameer Gibbs slots right in and, Maybe he's just a healthy DeAndre Swift. Um, Swift was very efficient in that role, limited carries between the tackles, but just, you know, overall was like 100 to 150 carries on the ground uh, during his time in, in Detroit. Obviously, he's no longer there, which helps. But uh, Swift was getting about 70 to 80 targets if he would have played a full season. Um, so you can kind of see Jameer Gibbs getting himself into the, the 230 touch range and with around 90 targets, potentially that that's, that's an exciting, exciting opportunity for what Gibbs could be maybe a, a an Eckler esque role there in Detroit. Yeah. I, I don't think everybody's kind of giving Detroit grief for drafting a running back that high. That wasn't B. John Robinson. Everybody's like, okay, it's, it's okay for B. John, but it's not okay for Gibbs. And my, my validation for it is exactly what the Detroit Lions have come out and said. They're like, we did not draft a running back. We drafted a weapon. And that is truly how I think he's going to be used. I think he is going to be split out wide in the slot, in the backfield. I think this guy can literally go everywhere. I know I haven't been the biggest Jameer Gibbs proponent in the pre-draft process, even saying that he was my RB3 at times. Not that case anymore. He is locked in RB2 and probably closer to the RB3 overall in Dynasty than he is the RB3 in this class. Um, he's He's going to be special. The reason that I was lower on him was because of his running game. I think they're going to use him so much in the passing game here. I think 90 targets is even light for what I think he can do, man. I think he's kind of like an almost inverse Debo role, except they don't have to pay him like he's a wide receiver. They can still just pay him like he's a running back. I think it's an absolutely brilliant move by Detroit to be using him like this, especially now that you have Jamison Williams suspended for the first half or the first six games of the year, kind of like the first half of our fantasy seasons. I, I think I think Jameer Gibbs can absolutely smash here in Detroit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it is a good landing spot. Very exciting. Um, you know, I I do feel it depends it depends on those those targets, right? Like if he does end up getting ninety, a hundred plus targets, I'm all in, all in. I, I and I love I love what that offense is doing. I love what that team is doing. Uh, Jared Goff, one of the big things that was talked about his um, his I think it was his yards per uh, yards per attempt was actually one of the lowest in the league. So he likes to throw the ball short, which is perfect for Jameer Gibbs. Uh, so that's great as well. And obviously Bijan going in the first is huge. Knew that one was happening. Went to Atlanta. Uh, one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL. So very exciting for, for Bijan. Seems like he's going to get a ton of rushes. Uh, so that's good. I think they led the league. They did. They led the league with 559 rush attempts last year. So you have Algier that was a, a returning thousand yard rusher. I, I how do you feel about the Atlanta situation as a whole now that you add Bijan to that room? 
Yeah, unfortunately, I just made a trade for Tyler Algier right before the draft started, and then Bijan gets drafted right over him, and then I still take Bijan. And I think that kind of I think that kind of goes to the point of I don't think Tyler Algier is completely dead in this offense. I think he's still going to get work. And if that scares people once the season starts, like Bijan's not getting 95% of the work here. What is this? Come on, like it's it's current day NFL. He's going to be used as a weapon, kind of like Jameer Gibbs as well, where they've already said that he's a very viable pass catcher. They love what he can do in that field as well. So they're going to work interchangeably, but this is an Arthur Smith offense, right? And Arthur Smith is going to run the rock with one of the best running back prospects that we have seen in the last 10 years. And so I, th- I think it's an absolute smash landing spot for him being inside of the top 10 as well. Yeah, it is wheels up for Bijan, the RB1 overall in Dynasty. No questions asked. Yeah, I'm I'm all for Bijan. Um, I, I, I definitely do not think Tyler Algier is dead. Uh, that, I think we can kind of put that to, to rest here. I mean, being a thousand yard receiver or thousand yard rusher dead. Yes, but he's still going to have a role. Yeah, I think he's I think he's going to have a good role. I, I don't think that they're just going to hand over, you know, uh, the the. I mean, they're going to give the lion's share of the carries of Bijan. I'm not going to sit here and say they're not, but I don't think they're going to give him the the ball 300 to 350 times. I think that they will keep him limited in his overall touches, keep him efficient, keep him healthy. They will pass and, and throw the ball to him out of the backfield for sure. I think if anything, it hurts Cordero Patterson more than than it will um, Tyler Algier, in my opinion. Uh, I could be totally wrong. We'll see how things pan out you know, over the next few months. And as we get into the season, but that's like my initial feel of it is that uh, you'll, you'll have that, that heavy hitter with um, Tyler Algier. And then Bijan will still be the one that's going to get some of the passing work, but it just might uh, limit what quarter Patterson does out of the backfield. So uh, we'll see either way. Like you said, Bijan RB one overall, Jameer Gibbs, I'd say top six, top seven. I am. I, I'm still a little hesitant just because it's Detroit. Just not sure exactly how they're going to use him yet, but um, I think there's no doubt he's top 10 right now. Yeah, no, no doubt that he's top 10, especially with how thin the top of the running back landscape has been in Dynasty over the past couple of years. And with some of these guys aging out like your you know, Barclays, CMCs, Ecklers, I think they're still up there, but I think he supplants themselves alongside of them or maybe just behind them as it currently stands, just with a little bit of the unknown for the role, like you said. But let's get into the most disappointing pick of my draft. <laughs> and that was in the second round. I do like that he was in the second round, but my love, my man, my guy, Zach Charbonnet, gets drafted 52nd overall to Seattle. And now you have Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, and not to mention a guy that we'll talk about later, Kenny McIntosh as well in the seventh round, all on the Seattle Seahawks backfield. And <laughs> hopes, dreams, joys crushed for my RB2 in the pre-draft process of Zach Charbonnet and how good he could be. Look, I, I, as sad as I am about it, and he's not going to be the one in, the, in an offense, I still think he's very good, and I still think he's going to get a decently sized workload in this offense. I think him and Kenneth Walker, I know we've heard the comps of it's going to be a Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt-esque in their early days type of split. So um, I, I still, man, it's hard because I can't say I like it. It hurts, but it's still not like end of the world, bad, destructive. Yeah, I think it just it crushes upside, right? And, and this is what we talked about, again, looking at these guys cannibalizing each other. You know, you have Charbonnet in Seattle. I'm just going to kind of go through some other names since we're on running backs. You know, Kendra went to New Orleans where you have Kamara already in place, and they brought in Jamal Williams. Tajay Spears to Tennessee. 
I, do I need to tell you who's in Tennessee? <laughs> I mean, you have Tank Bigsby going to Jacksonville with with ETN already in place, and and then really like the best landing spot of any of these like first three rounds was Devon A Chain going to Miami, and not that the talent in Miami is is superior to Devon A Chain, but they still bring back you know guys like Mostert and Jeff Wilson who are familiar and have had great success. Uh, but I am very excited for A Chain in Miami. It's just it crushes some of the upside at least in the immediate future um and i think that's the the concern when it comes to the running backs and these are all going to be second round picks most likely in your rookie drafts yeah i mean even i think we've seen these guys supplant in as like 111 through 202 for the most part in charbonnet kendra and devon a chain uh, you can kind of i've seen the orders kind of mix and matched um yep. i don't know what i don't know what your rankings are specifically off the top of it but i mean that that is that spot and it it hurts to pick somebody that is that captain upside outside of injuries happening in season for guys that you're taking at the back of the first gen round that we really thought could step into some really open roles and that are still open roles in the NFL as we currently see it like Tampa not taking a running back where we could have had a like a really good shot especially as I'm lower on Rashad White than most like I would have loved that spot and now we just get them supplanted behind guys that are already two or three or four deep in their role in their backfield uh, the upside's just not there with a lot of the guys but we still have to draft them where they are because there's just not much better yeah I mean and I well, we can. I'm just going to jump into it, anyways. Don't care if this is going to be a longer episode right now. The, the the fact that you talked about Tampa, I mean, we we all thought that someone was, you know, uh, that a running back was going to end up in Dallas. We all thought that there was going to be some of these uh, landing spots that are these prime spots. Miami was one, so a chain went went to a good spot. But for the most part, all of these these situations, like the the, the teams themselves, feel either comfortable with what they have. Or they're comfortable with some of these older guys that, that are already on their team. Like we thought that Minnesota would be looking to to potentially move on from um, from Dalvin Cook. We thought that uh, Cincinnati be you know on the on the road to to replacing Joe Mixon. And while that Chase Brown did go to Cincy in what was it the fifth round, sixth round, middle of the fifth, one sixty middle overall. Yeah, so he went in the middle of the fifth. It's like that is not replacing Joe Mixon. That is not. I don't. I don't. You can paint whatever. Tell yourself whatever story you want. That is not happening. Um, and the only way that Chase Brown has that path is if they cut Joe Mixon, and even then they're going to bring somebody else in. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's just. I think it's a kind of a testament to some of these older running backs that are still in the league that those body types, you know, the, again, big physical presence that we're talking about. The NFL still really values that. And these little guys aren't going to come in and just replace them. At least not in like a 60 plus percent rule, right? Like they're going to take their, their 30% of the offense. And yep. like we were saying with the other guys, and even I think those guys even have more of a upside for a role, but some of these smaller guys, man, they're just like, you're going to be one third of an offense. You are serving a legitimately serving a role for the NFL offense. There's no, there's no, we're handing the rock over to you. There's no, we're giving you all free access to rain and just hammer your way down upon the, upon the defense and just wear them down because that's not the body style. You can't do that. Even though all of the NFL has gotten smaller here over the last couple of years, you still need to have that big body present to establish the run to pass. Like that seems how like everybody is 
you know, kind of conforming to this new wave of the NFL is that you really only run two pass and you have to have that guy that can pound it up the middle to really do that. And I don't know, with some of these just 200 pound guys, I don't know if the NFL is fully there with the size concerns of some of these guys and just pushing them down the board a little bit. Yeah, I mean, obviously A-Chain being the one of the smaller ones, but he's also one of the freakiest speed guys we've ever seen at the running back position. So, uh, you know, and he's, he did it in the SEC as well. And he goes to a system which values speed. Uh, that Miami offense is going to be the fastest in the NFL, no doubt about it, when you have Tyreek Waddle and A-Chain on the field at the same oh. time. So that's going to be exciting. But, like, the, the two that we had hope, or three really, that we had hope for was Charbonnet, Kendra, and then we had a little bit of, positive hope for uh izzy abanacanda all go to situations where there's running backs you know in place you know abanacanda went in the in round five early round five but we'll pick 143 to the new york jets and you know why he's not replacing Brees. you're we had saw zonovan knight already do good things and then you have uh michael, michael carter, carter still there like <laughs> it's like why just uh, absolutely killed multiple people like just multiple fantasy assets are just dead with that you have no idea which one it's going to be maybe maybe one of them survives and actually has a role but for the most part and they might just all lead each other away and none of them but Brees are good and it probably isn't even good for Brees's upside either to be honest yeah it depends on how you know how the the Jets decide to use the the backfield they have obviously it's great to have those bodies uh experience uh, all guys have had success running in that system ex- you know and, and a band of Kanda, uh, little spot size speed combo holy cow tongue twister um you know bringing that to to the backfield as well but eh, they they got four guys uh how they use them is to be determined you know uh, Roshan Johnson he was our our only fourth round running back and he went to Chicago where you have Khalil Herbert, who's had moments where he's had 100-yard rushes, you know, rushing games, but like never done anything special. They did bring in um, Deonta Foreman's brought in from there from Carolina where you. he was handling the rock like 20-plus times a game. I mean, yep. the, I, the hype that I've seen for Roshan is actually a little bit surprising to me. I, I don't think that he is coming in and taking over this backfield. Like I think you have two very serviceable backs that are about the same level of talented as Roshan Johnson, in my opinion, and, and Khalil Herbert and Deonta Foreman. Um, one of them might win out. It might be Roshan, but I'm not really willing to reach for Roshan like top of the second to make that bet. Yeah, and, and I, I like Foreman. I like how he runs, and I like his ability. He, he finally stepped up last year and, and showed something after his Achilles tear, but I could just see that being a true RBBC, like a true rbbc where you don't know who to start each game if you have them on your team you better have all three and hope one of them spikes for you in best ball like and, and you don't want to do that it's poor roster management if you're doing that but it's just it sucks like it it truly sucks because you just want to take your bet on one of them and hope that you get the guy right and don't forget about the sixth back in the offense and justin fields who the only oh, yeah. reason he has fantasy value is because he rushes <laughs> the ball like 10 times a game so unless the bears are rushing like more than the falcons did last year Oh, and then that kills all of the wide receivers that they brought in and like DJ like that. I don't like that. I don't like that situation in Chicago at all. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will say the, the ground game, the Bears were only one rushing attempt behind the Atlanta Falcons for you know number two overall in, in uh, rushing attempts in the league, but at 558. So, yeah, you still have fields. You still they're going to cannibalize each other, uh, and you just don't know who to start. Like it's it's that's just such a frustrating situation. So again, another situation where you have a running back going to a questionable backfield. Tank Bigsby in Jacksonville with ETN. You know. I, mentioned that one earlier and then as we go down chase brown in cincinnati eric gray to the giants where there's saquon evan hole in indianapolis where there's jt chris rodriguez i guess might have one of the better paths i guess because there's no true third running back on that team you got b rob and you got gibby and i think gibby's on the last year of his contract so there's that i mean literally they just brought in a worse replacement for brian robinson (laughs) <laughs> to fill the Brian Robinson role in his sophomore year. Uh, I, I oh, that one's even but that one's one of the worst. Sixth round running back. He was a sixth round running back. And then you have Deuce Vaughn in the six. Everyone's what I don't even want to say his name, but everyone's like RB3 in the class at one point. Zach Evans, 215 overall. People are still excited about sixth round Zach Evans to the Los Angeles Rams because all he has to do is beat out Kyron Williams and, and Cam Akers, right? Whoa, Ronnie Rivers. Don't disrespect oh. the name. <laughs> Sorry, Ronnie Rivers. Yeah. It, it, it's a. Uh, all of these guys go to situation. It's uh, There's opportunity. There's no doubt. Like, th- you're still drafting these guys. I don't want to totally, like, again, I know this is the overreaction pod, but I don't want to totally overreact. It, there's legitimate concern, but there's also legitimate possibility for opportunity for some of these guys. Um, I am just going to be very uh, picky with where I draft these players and uh, making sure that I, I have them in, you know, probably the third round, especially as you get into these fifth round, sixth round running backs, but uh, third round, fourth round of my rookie picks. But man, it's it's not what we thought it would be. Like how many how many running backs do you feel really good about drafting in the first two rounds? Uh, first two rounds, let me count. So I, I'll, I'll put it as Bijan, Jameer, Charbonnet, Kendra, Tajay, Devon A. Chain, Tank Bigsby, Roshan. That's eight. That's my only eight. Those are your only eight. And of those, we have Tajay Spears, who we've heard from, you know, if you surf Twitter, uh, doctors are already saying things about his torn ACL, knee cartilage, all that other missing stuff. Missing ACL, apparently. Missing ACL, whatever's really going on in there. But like it being a short career lifespan for him because of the the cartilage buildup that he does have. So you have those concerns. Kendra's tied again to, to Camara. Tank, who knows what he's mean? He's he's smaller than ETN, and yet he might project as the in between the tackles grinder. It's just so weird, such a weird class right now. I, I would say of, I mean, I, I will draft more than eight, but you have I would, to because there's nothing else to draft. <laughs> truthfully, so just to touch on, I'll say Bijan, Jameer Gibbs. I still believe in Charbonnet. 
Kendra, uh, I'm putting A-Chain above both of those guys. I think A-Chain's my three in the class right now. Yeah, no particular order in the way that I went through them. Yeah, it's just kind of how they got drafted. So I'd say uh, A-Chain, so those five. A-Chain, Kendra, Charbonnet, Gibbs, Bijan. Um, the rest I will pick and choose depending on situation and, and my roster construction, but those are the five that I feel good about. And I might throw Tank in there at six, but ugh. Man, not not a good feeling. So anything else you want to touch on with running back before I just completely gross myself out? No, I'll close I'll close it out with even grosser so you don't have to keep talking about it. Uh, we didn't touch on the round seven guys yet. So the Dwayne oh, McBride, yeah. Todd McShay's number three overall running back in the class, I believe, in the seventh <laughs> round to the Minnesota Vikings. Lou Nichols to the Green Bay Packers, 235 overall. And then the one that we did touch on, Kenny McIntosh to the Seattle Seahawks, just to throw another gut punch right at the end of the draft to my heart and soul going to the Seattle Seahawks as a pass catching back there as well. Um, Out of those guys, Dwayne McBride, possibly to refill in Minnesota. He's worth a shot. McIntosh, I don't know, man. Like That's a 4-10 pick for me. And Lou Nichols in a four-round draft is undrafted for me. Yeah, talk about seventh round running backs here i mean I, there's a free eight i think there's one name on that it was a udfa but there's a couple names of udfa actually yeah there's a couple like sean tucker I, again i still believe in him the fact that he's a i, I don't want to draft him necessarily unless i have like a five or a six round rookie draft that it, it gives me possible hope but sean tucker did sign in tampa bay a situation where you mentioned earlier they didn't draft anyone of note uh, at the running back position so it's just going to be what Keyshawn vaughn and and uh, Rashad White, White there to yeah. beat out. Uh, I, I would say Deneric Prince, but it sounds like they're going to be bringing back um, uh, Jarek McKinnon to Kansas City. Uh, I think those are the only ones that I get excited about, at least at this point. But Yeah, and I did just want to see it because I don't know if I've seen this number yet, but Sean Tucker actually did get guaranteed 155K, which is nothing yeah. to... Uh, Nothing to sneeze at in the terms of UDFA guarantee signing. So maybe there's a little bit of something there, but it's hard with the medicals. That's why the NFL didn't draft him, and it's hard for me to draft him in the rookie drafts because of it as well. Yeah, if he's physically healthy, I think that'll change things, but we won't really know what that looks like till till closer to the season. So, all right, enough of that depressing uh, position, and let's go to another depressing position in the, the wide receiver spot, which we already knew wasn't going to be overly exciting in the first place uh we did have four first round wide receivers but we had right. to wait for them we <laughs> we did but there, there were rumors out there that there was only one wide receiver going to be drafted in the first round so i think we can actually take a little bit of solace that we got four back to back to back to back to back yeah. and i'll run through them here jsn to the seattle seahawks at 20 qj to the los angeles chargers at 21 zay flowers to the ravens at 22 and Jordan Addison, the last one in the first round, 23 overall to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, I think, uh, again, we, we we talked about it with running back. You know, JSN going to Seattle. You talked about, you know, at the start of the show with with uh, DK and, and Lockett there still. Uh, again, Lockett's not going away necessarily this season, but maybe, you know, after this one. So that'll clear things up. QJ going to the Chargers. And I know Keenan Allen on his way out. Mike Williams getting up there in age. But... They're still very much in the mix this year. Baltimore brought in, you know, Odell Beckham, and they have Rashad Bateman. I think he might actually have a little bit more of a uh, quote-unquote competition for for targets 
where he's he can compete and, and play his way to a you know wide receiver one on his own team. But again, it's a low passing volume offense in Baltimore. At least we assume that. We'll see what Munkin decides to do. And then Jordan Addison, absolutely the number two on his team uh, with uh, with Jets there. So you have Jefferson and you have Hawkinson if they do continue to use him in that same role. So again, good players. All of these are pretty good landing spots, but there's competition, things like that that might actually cap upside, especially early on. Yeah, none of these guys feel like they're going to break out into that like Garrett Wilson year one, right? Where Garrett Wilson's really only competing with Elijah Moore. And I know, I guess we had a little bit more of a tainted view of Elijah Moore than we had coming into the into the season last year. So that might be a little bit of just recency bias. But truthfully, like as long as Keenan Allen, now this is tough to say, but as long as Keenan <laughs> Allen and Mike Williams stay healthy, which questionable, Quentin Johnson's upside is capped same for jsn and his offense zay flowers like you said he's got his reasons to be possibly wide receiver one but his offense seems to be capped with what we know how that offense likes to run jordan addison honestly might be the best one here year one being in a offense with kirk cousins that we know is high powered playing that slot role outside or on the opposite side of jets I think that I think that Jordan Addison actually has the best chance to produce the most stats in year one, even though he won't be the wide receiver one on this team. I mean, Adam Thielen left, so he vacated 100 targets. Um, you know, there is still KJ Osborne there. He got about 100 targets as well. So, you know, there's there's volume in that offense. Um, so if he does get around 100 to 110 targets, which is what Thielen typically got. That's a that's a very good role. He could be a thousand yard receiver. Uh, it's just going to be he's going to be a wide receiver too, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But his upside is going to be capped every year that Justin Jefferson is playing opposite opposite of him. We see it every single year. We talk about Jefferson or not Jefferson. We talk about it with Chase and Higgins, where it's really tough to support multiple high end wide receivers for fantasy purposes. Yes, they can be a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, which is fine. But to get two wide receiver ones is very, very challenging to to do in uh, in the fantasy realm. So upside capped, but I, I like all four of these guys. I think that right now you take them what the one oh seven, eight, nine, ten, yeah, uh, six six through nine is how six I through have nine. Them. Yeah, math. Um, um, just like just like the NFL draft took them back to back to back to back to back, they are back to back to back to back to back in my rankings as well. And do you have any preference? Or are you going to try and like vary it based on like you want you want to try and get some of these guys right? Like, are you just taking JSN no matter what? Or are you going to try and take QJ no matter what? I mean, I think I'd try to move around if I really want to establish a portfolio with these guys, but I'll probably still take them in the order that I have them for the most part. Um, but I still have it as JSN, Addison, QJ, and Zay at this point. Um, but I do want a little piece of all of them. So the only problem with that is I don't hold many first round picks with the way I play <laughs> Dynasty. So I got my JSN share, and that might be it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you right now. I think uh, I have JSN as my wide receiver one in the class, um, and then I do have uh, Addison Flowers and QJ pretty much interchangeable. Uh, you can I can mix and match it comfortable taking i want i want some of each i think that's kind of how i look at it is i do want to take a por portfolio approach to those four wide receivers in particular just because i think that there's the possibility that quentin johnston could be something special i think addison could you know uh you know be a smitty in in uh 
in Minnesota. So it's kind of like, you know, a comp comparable uh, output there. So I, I'm okay with, with some of those. And then Zay flowers, I just love what he can do. I think he can be a Hollywood Brown um, that, that we saw for, uh, for Baltimore, uh, maybe a Hollywood Brown plus, and that would be exciting too. So I'd love all four of those guys, but that's kind of like a tier of its own. I think you have the one Oh one through one Oh five with the three quarterbacks, two running backs, those four wide receivers, Will Levis, and then kind of the cluster of running backs Mix from and there, match but... for the rest of the draft because there's no consensus. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a it's a it's an interesting ride. I mean, you want to jump into these round two receivers because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll go off with one of the most surprising picks. I didn't buy into the pre-draft hype of him, but Jonathan Mingo went off as the fifth wide receiver overall, 39 overall to the Carolina Panthers. Jaden Reed, 50 overall to the Green Bay Packers. Rasheed Rice, 55 overall to the Kansas City Chiefs. We got some Chiefs wide receiver hype again from a non-Power 5 conference. Let's see if we buy into that one for the second year in a row. And then Marvin Mims, 63 overall in a trade-up that Denver made to get into the second round and take Marvin Mims as the last receiver in the second round. And you mentioned Jonathan Mingo, definitely the biggest surprise, um, you know, out of Ole Miss. Uh, Jay Rich talked him up a bit um, after the senior bowl and kind of seeing him up close and personal. Uh, has great hands, super athletic. Uh, let me just kind of pull this up here. So he had a 989 RAS score, ran a 446. Um, he did have the 20 yard sh- uh, split of a 46, 157, and the 10. Didn't do any agility testing, so maybe that's where his weakness is. But uh, vertical, about a 40-inch vertical, 10-foot broad jump. So uh, good athleticism and burst. I, I I didn't see it when I you know watched him, but that doesn't mean he's not good. I mean, uh, for him to get taken that early just makes me kind of question everything. Like I do want to go back and really dive into some some games of uh jonathan mingo and see if i'm missing something but i he's one i'm going to struggle with throughout this process because it's like he's a guy i don't really want to take but i feel like i'm gonna have to because the draft capital is there yeah i mean the the reason that i would be off of him you know i'm I'm more of a stats guy i watch the film as well too and i i will have to circle back to him to see if there's really something i'm missing here uh i I understand you know he's got the size that not everybody in this class does have and i think that probably pushed him up a little bit of the board but in four years at Ole Miss I mean this was the only year he caught more than 30 balls in a season and he never really had a breakout year like immediately as soon as I see that I'm like you're a day three wide receiver in my mind and now he's taken up here as the fifth wide receiver off the board I've I've definitely got some circling back to do on Jonathan Mingo Uh, so I haven't fully supplanted where I have him in my ranks but good for him I think it's a it's a good big body weapon for Bryce Young as well and Hopefully he balls yeah. out and we'll, we'll see if it happens. But one of the most surprising picks of the draft to me is I, there was a lot of pre-draft hype around Mingo. I didn't buy into it, but I, I got to reassess now. The scary thing is, is like right now in, in ADP, he's going off of the 203 uh, in post-draft, you know, actual drafts that are going on. So if he's going off at the 203, that's a really tough spot for me to be like, yeah, you know, I'm going to take my shot on Jonathan Mingo or Kendra a chains at the 201 like i just i i I don't know that i'm gonna have much mingo one because of that and then two because of my own current beliefs on him so i have my own beliefs on him too man but i just don't have anybody else to put up there like he's in my two like three to two six range because i just by default 
Yep, he's uh, he's actually at my two seven, and I I did it, and it's like kind of reluctantly. I look at the names that are around, and I'm like, I can't really justify this fully, but so it is still a, a kind of a tweak in progress. But I do, you know, Carolina opportunities there, right? Like if he's good, right. he's going to. He, there's a good shot he's going to get uh, targets and and Bryce Young, uh, good young quarterback, throwing him the ball, very accurate. So if he can if he can run the right routes, he can get open. Uh, he's going to get the ball. So that's we'll see. We'll, we will see. I might have to intentionally try and get myself some Jonathan Mingo just so I have him, just so I don't miss out on the hype. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one to swallow. So the rest of those second rounders that you're looking at, you mentioned um, the Broncos traded up at the last pick of the second round for Marvin Mims. Rasheed Rice went to Kansas City and Jaden Reed to Green Bay. Already rumors of Rasheed Rice not being ready and thinking that he's more of a developmental guy uh, a la Sky Moore, sound familiar? 2.0. <laughs> so there's that. Jaden Reed, I, I am a little bit excited about him going to Green Bay. You know, deep threat option for uh, for the Packers. And, and I think he can do a lot more than that, too. So <sighs> I've seen Jaden Reed actually going below a third-round wide receiver in Josh Downs, who went to Indianapolis. And I just... I don't get it, but uh, I'm all I'm all in for taking Jaden Reed here in the mid second round. Yeah, I think I have him a little bit lower, and another guy that probably just because my pre draft bias was I was a little bit lower on, and so another guy that I'm going to have to circle back around on. I'm just worried about his upside with some other weapons and Dobbs and Watson there in Green Bay, and what Jordan Love can do with the offense. So that's where I'm kind of sitting Fair. now. Another guy I have to circle back around on though, and then I think that. Rasheed Rice, I don't think there's too much to say about a Kansas City wide receiver. If you want to buy in again, you can. I'll buy in at some spots in the back half of the second, but I'm not doing anything more than that. I don't think we're going to be taking him at like, I mean, some people are. I'm saying you probably should not be taking him in the early second because of the landing spot. We've done it year after year after year. And Patrick Mahomes, outside of his number one target, does spread the ball around to everybody else. Like, I just don't know if anybody else is ever going to take over this offense until Travis Kelsey's gone. Yep, I could not agree more. Um, I like Rasheed Rice, I, but it just doesn't seem like anything has gone his way in the pre-draft process and the draft process, other than him getting draft capital in the second round there. So I don't know. I I, uh, I might take a shot on him in the in the second round in a couple places, but we'll see. I mean, it, I don't have a ton of second round picks, so <laughs> I, I I like Marvin Mims who who. Denver traded up into the second to get that is the first draft pick of the Sean Payton era. There's already talks that there's been talks of them trading Judy or Sutton, most likely Sutton. They just picked up the fifth year option on Judy, which they should. But um, yeah, it feels like he's more of the guy that I'd be interested in, but it's still, it's, it's just a, a pick your poison with, with some of these guys. And, and again, when you get into the second round of your rookie drafts, it's tough. It gets tough. So that I would say for me of the second round guys, I'd probably put Mingo up there. Man, I don't want to do it. But like Mingo, Mims, Reed, Rice, if I had to kind of go off of off of those. Let me actually pull it up and see if I have. Yep. Have I've got it, I believe, currently as Mingo, Rice, Mims, Reed. So again, Reed I have to readjust on. I think I'm going to readjust on that. Marvin Mims, I'm looking at it as the – Offense stands right now. I think the upside is just really capped if Cortland Sutton's still there. Um, but if he goes, like, man, if you want to take the shot on Mims a little bit higher just because you want to take the bet on Sutton leaving, 
I think that's a, I think that's a decent bet to make. Yep. No, I, I'm right there with you. So I'm going to dive into the the rest is what we'll, we'll call yep. them here. We have Tank Dell going to Houston in the third. Jalen Hyatt going to the New York Giants in the third. Said Tillman to the, the Cleveland Browns. Josh Down to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Michael Wilson to Arizona. Trey Tucker to Las Vegas. Uh, Darius Davis is a fourth rounder, so we'll kick off the fourth rounders to the L.A. Chargers. Charlie Jones went to Cincinnati Bengals to replace Trenton Irwin. Woohoo. Uh, so you have that one there. Tyler Scott went to Chicago for that low passing volume uh, offense. Justin Shorter to Buffalo. These are all fifth rounders now. Dontavious Wicks for Green Bay. Puka Nakua to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. And then I don't really want to go any further, but that covers the third and fourth and fifth round. Any names stand out that excite you? Um, I mean, there's there's a couple of those third round guys, right? It's Jalen Hyatt, Cedric Tillman, Josh Downs, Michael Wilson a little bit, but I'm not really bought into that one. I think it's those three, the three that we and maybe it's a little bit of bias because we had them high in our pre-draft you know, rankings. Yeah. Um, but Jalen Hyatt feels like a Darius Slayton replacement to me. Um, Cedric Tillman in Cleveland. I think he's just another guy there with DPJ and Elijah more goodness well, i was almost gonna say elijah mitchell elijah mitchell I thought, was a running I, thought I lost you for a second <laughs> I, I lost myself for a second josh downs being the three in indianapolis as it starts off with a rich potentially being the starter from day one that's a little bit scary because we don't know how that passing offense is going to be but i still actually have josh downs a little bit higher than what i've seen for most people I just think that there's a good chance he can actually be the two behind Alec Pierce. But again, you're betting on the output of that offense. Any of these other guys that you want to talk about or any of those three that I touched on that you want to reach back on? Uh, Jalen Hyatt's just the big one. I think that's the, the I think, most important one. Um, I, I didn't necessarily see it in the film where I was super excited, but he does go to a situation where there's opportunity and there's going to be targets. So if uh, if he can develop as a route runner and and kind of showcase his true abilities, Hey, I, it's the Dayball offense. I am uh, in Dayball. We trust. So if if that works out, uh, wheels up for Jalen Hyde. I think he might be more boom bust than anything, but I would love him in best ball. And if I'm going to be able to get him in the mid second now, I feel a lot better about that than what he was going for pre-draft in the late first. I just didn't feel great about it. So I'm okay with that. Uh, you touched on Tillman. I'm not as high on downs anymore necessarily with with uh, the the A rich situation. Um, and, and what that passing offense is going to look like. And as I scroll down here, I, if you want to touch on any of these other guys, we can. But I'd say Michael Wilson would, might be semi-intriguing to see if he cracks the lineup if D-Hop gets traded. But that's pretty much it. I can't really think of anyone else that really... Kayshawn in New England get you excited? Nope, not really. Um... <laughs> Sixth round Kayshawn? <laughs> I will say with Michael Wilson, too, it sounds like D-Hop is actually staying. Everything coming out from the draft said that they weren't going to trade him. He came out today and posted something to his IG saying that, like, who said I was ever leaving? And I did. I seriously went back because I, I thought about it, too. I was like, did he actually act, ever demand a trade? Like, it was never, never officially demanded a trade. It was all hyperbole that they should trade him and that he wanted out. But there was actually no ever physical tr- demand of a trade put into the league in, put into the team. I'm just saying I think he could actually be there now, and it's a lot better chance than what I thought before the draft. I will say when it comes to that, he's just saying that he has no problem being in Arizona. He's not saying he's asking for a trade, but it doesn't mean that they're not going to trade him. I I, I still am very hesitant on it. 
you know, Lamar wants to be in Baltimore and and if things didn't work out, he would have played somewhere else. Like, of course, he's he wants to be in Arizona. But hey, if the organization is going to be abysmal, you think that lasts very long? I don't know. We'll see. I, again, I, I'm not looking too, into it too much. I think we're in that May to August just rumor season. So who knows? Right. Who knows? All right. I think that wraps us out of wide receiver, but I am going to speed read through the rest of these just for the sake of completeness. We got Parker Washington to Jacksonville, Kayshawn Butte to New England, Trey Palmer to Tampa Bay, A.T. Perry to New Orleans, Xavier Hutchinson to Houston, Andrea Yosivas to Cincinnati, Demario Douglas to New England as well, Antoine Green to Detroit, Colton Dow out of UT Tennessee going to Tennessee, Jalen Brooks to Dallas, Ronnie Bill to San Francisco, and Grant DuBose wrapping up the rest of the drafted wide receivers to Green Bay. Uh, if you are playing this on two times, three times speed, uh, hopefully that was a fun listen for you. So uh, that does wrap up wide receiver. Let's jump into tight end here. We that had you, one. Scott. That was for you, Scott. All right, we have one first round tight end. Dalton Kincaid went to Buffalo. I am actually just going to dive into the second rounders as well because I feel like all of these are important to talk about. Sam Laporta went 34 overall to Detroit. Michael Mayer, 35 overall to, to Las Vegas. 42 was Luke Musgrave. 48 and that he went to green bay uh 58 went luke shoemaker to dallas and then wrapping up the tight ends in the second round was brenton strange to the jacksonville jaguars dalton kincaid being the only first round tight end is actually pretty surprising uh by all reports there should have actually been another one that i'll get to here in a second but the hype around dalton kincaid is big right now man they uh they traded up to go get dalton kincaid jumping the las vegas raiders who who they thought was going to be their number one overall guy or i believe it was in front of the raiders that they jumped not fully sure about that one as i say it right now but if you could look that one up for me as i talk about dalton kincaid i don't know if i'm fully bought in as him as the tight end one right now because it seems like everybody's just completely writing off Dawson Knox. And I know what a lot of people are thinking is that like Dalton Kincaid's going to be thrust right immediately into a slot role. And while I do think he's going to be a slot, they still have other guys here. They talked extensively about Khalil Shakir still in this offense. And it seems like every year we just say, oh, he's going to be the next slot. Like, what did we do with James Cook last year? He's just going to take over that slot role, going to get his like six, seven targets a game. Didn't end up happening out all that well. Dalton Kincaid, while I do love the player, I still think he's going to battle with Dawson Knox on a weekly basis. He is not my tight end one like it is for most of the people in this draft cycle right now. Yeah, they did jump uh, Dallas. They knew they all the rumors okay. going into the process was Dallas was going to go after Mayor or a tight end. And so uh, they jumped Dallas to get their guy, make sure they locked up their tight end. Dallas came out and said they were not going tight end no matter what. So either way, but uh yeah, no, I'm with you. I think there's still a question of is Dawson Knox actually just dead? Uh, you know, tight, tight ends do take a little bit of time to develop and grow in the NFL. So we are going to have to wait and see. I think it's it's interesting that we are writing off Dawson Knox already. I don't think that Knox is necessarily anything special. But again, you're talking about a guy that had some back issues, um, you know, as he wrapped up his college career and make hopefully he's healthy hopefully he can grow and, and and learn the offense and get everything down the way he needs to 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 start week one but uh it's not as open as as you kind of hope for a first round tight end um i know you said mayor to to vegas was an interesting one for you i think he's still your tight end one as you mentioned yes yeah i mean he's got to beat out oj howard 
Like I think that's how it currently stands. I think OJ Howard is tied in one or was tied in Austin one. And Hooper, lost. I think, got brought in oh, there yeah, as well. Hooper. Oh yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, um, not, not too much better. He's at least serviceable and won't be healthy scratched like he was in uh, Houston this last year. But no, I still think Michael Mayer is my one. The the one that I kind of want to dive into a little bit from uh, reports of the GM Shuffle podcast with Michael Lombardi. He, they actually tried to trade back up into the first round multiple times. It fell through with Detroit whenever they were trying to trade up, whenever they took Jack Campbell. And then it threw again whenever they tried to trade up into the first round, whenever they tried to trade with since, or the Kansas City Chiefs for their last pick in the first round. And so they actually had two two picks that failed, and then they thought they were going to get sniped by Detroit with Sam Laporta, but they still got their number one overall tight end and Michael Mayer at the 35th overall pick with two tight ends going off the board in front of them. The draft trade worked out perfectly with them to where they didn't have to give up future capital to go get Michael Mayer, and they got a gift of him in the second round, in their opinion. You know, in fantasy, this is so true, and, and maybe in this case for the Raiders, it is sometimes the best trades are the trades that don't happen. So, yep. uh, you know, they, they still got their guy, and that's an offense that knows how to utilize tight end. Uh, you know, we saw, you know, how Waller could be used, and, and, you know, McDaniels coming from that Patriots background, they love to use the tight end. Uh, Mayor is is nothing to to scoff at there. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm really, really high on Mayor. I, I think I have it like 1A, 1B. I have a tough time because I love Dalton Kincaid throughout the process. But man, Michael Mayer is the—he's that dude, and I think he can come in right away. Um, you know, being well-rounded as he is, as long as he can catch on to the offense. But uh, we'll kind of see how that plays out. So I think one-two for me is pretty much uh, there's a gap. Like I like Sam Laporta, I do. I think he ended up in a good spot in Detroit, going you know in the early second. But you have Laporta, Luke Musgrave, Shoemaker to Dallas. Like Dallas is an open kind of book. I like all these guys. I'm happy to take them, but. I think I'm good with taking any of them. I think that's the whole thing. I, I think outside of Musgrave, because you have Tucker Craft that went to Green Bay in the third as well. Uh, we have Darnell Washington in the third going to Pittsburgh and then Cameron Latu to San Francisco in the third just to kind of open the third round up. But Dallas taking Shoemaker, Michael Mayer seems pretty, pretty good. Um, I, I feel more confident about those guys than I do about Luke Musgrave and, and trying to figure out if it's Musgrave or Tucker Craft right now. Or maybe it ends up being both of them as well. Like that, that is <laughs> a possible outcome That's with so these true. two. And so I think everybody wants to kind of guess of which one is it going to be. It could just be both and uh, yeah. just cap the fantasy upside for both of them. So I do have those guys a little bit lower in both Musgrave and Kraft just because I don't want to be the one to make the choice. And so you're you're just looking there trying to see which one you want to take. Uh, the Darnell Washington pick does scare me a little bit with the uh, Pat Fryermuth already being there. And then really the last one, interestingly enough, that I even really care about is Elijah Higgins, the wide receiver tight end convert in Miami. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we skipped. Uh, we don't even touch on, you know, Josh Weil went to Tennessee, I guess. Payne Durham to Tampa Bay, and then Davis Allen to uh, to the Rams um, in the fifth round. And then we also have Will Mallory to Indianapolis. So you have another situation where tight ends going to uh, an offense where they already have Jelani Woods, and then you have the Rams with with uh, Tyler Higbee's. But yeah, I, I like Elijah Higgins. My only beef with it is, and, and I know he can hold more value as a tight end. He was announced as a tight end. Uh, wide receiver convert to tight end. Problem is Miami doesn't use the tight end. Yep. Um, they had a very good one in in Mike Gesicki or someone that we think is very good. 
and they just did not use him at all. So I, I'm very hesitant on him, especially being a six-round guy. Uh, the last two that went off on the draft were seventh-rounders. Zach Kuntz, our perfect 10-Raz guy, going to the New York Jets, um, and then Braden Willis to San Francisco. I like the long-term prospect of Kuntz, I guess, uh, two years, three years down the road when Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama are, are gone. But I don't see him making any immediate impact anytime soon. No, I don't really see any future for these guys, especially unless you're playing like two tight end premium, start two tight end outside of those guys that we started off this draft with. So I think that pretty much takes us through all of the tight ends here. Chase, anything else that you got just as a recap of this class as a whole, other than you it know, just being disappointing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- disappointing. Yeah, man. Like d- it's tough. It's tough. Like, as I look through some of the ADP and as I look through my rankings, like there's truly a tier of the top five that we talked about um, and just kind of looking at the the top three quarterbacks, top two running backs. I have that tier of wide receivers and then kind of a couple running backs, then round two, two Oh two, maybe all the way through like the three, four. I've, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to fully make of it quite yet. Like I, I have an idea but I'm not quite there on, on honing in exactly what I want to do yet. Yep. I, I think that's just a draft class that teaches us that we can't be hyped about these guys. So Chase, I'm going to close it on out of us. I'm going to close it on out of here for us this time. No. Okay. Yeah. You take it away, man. You take it away. You've got <laughs> You're this. Good. Come on. You can power through. <laughs> I was just taking a little stretch there. You know, I just needed to, to take a little stretch, but uh, yeah, no, I, I feel like as we, we wrap up the, the 2023 class, uh, we're, we're going to get into more of some, some, mock drafts of uh of of what we have um if you follow us on the fantasy draft room make sure you sub there and we'll be doing some breakdowns of some back and forths as well as some uh some dd mocks but uh yeah it's depending on when your draft is it's going to be you know we're going to have more developments in this process but as things stand today oh Still got some stuff to hash out. So any we last thing? Plenty you of do- time, man. Plenty of we time do. to do it. We we're we gonna do. have so long until the NFL draft season gets here. Startups. We're gonna be doing so much content throughout this next five months of dead period that we're gonna have to try to find some stuff to do. And we'll be talking about these rookies a lot as we go forward. But yes, we've got one big thing that is kicking off. I think it kicked off on Saturday. It did. Uh, we have Best Ball Mania Four that just kicked off Saturday post draft so all of those rookies are in there ready to roll you can you can pick them wherever you want but the big thing is that underdog has partnered with destination devi for this upcoming season all of your best ball needs this is the place make sure you use promo code tfdr at sign up you can get up to a 100 dollars deposit match on your first deposit and if you do deposit ten dollars or more you will get one-year access to the Destination Devi Discord. And my goodness, there are some incredible tools, uh, incredible people as well to help walk through things, go through the drafts, talk about strategy and theory. Uh, Brilliant people. And you have to be a part of it. So again, make sure you use code TFDR at sign up to get that deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. So yes, a huge partnership with Underdog Fantasy and Destination Devi. So uh, any other things you want to touch on before we wrap out? Got plenty of time to re- go through this through the next five months. Like I said, definitely use that Underdog promo to get into the Destination Devi Discord. Chill there with us. We're in the Discord, the Heisman chat tier all the time. If you want to pay up to get into that tier, it's the best place in 
dynasty fantasy football best bang for your buck even though it is it is a good bit but it is by far the best value return on your investment if you want to grow as a dynasty fantasy football player it's where we have learned so much of our process over the last year two years whatever it's been now and we're gonna we're gonna go through a lot more as we go through this off season and hopefully you can all come and be a part of it chase i think that's all that we have for today though wrap us on out of here man yeah patreon.com forward slash all gas have to be a part of it get to chat with us ask all of your dynasty questions scott's in there ray's in there you got the america's game pod you have every everybody everybody that does anything for destination debbie is there uh so you have to check it out again patreon.com forward slash all gas and that wraps us out here for our 2023 draft coverage and thank you so much for joining us here on the overreaction podcast